This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, January 21st. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Mental Health Takes Spotlight with Citizen of the Year Award, Mountain Village Talks Housing Mitigation, A Day in the Life of a Minor with Vinton Cole, and a Mountain Weather Forecast. A conversation with Corinne Cavender, Lolly Lavercombe, and Kara Wilder includes laughter and tears. <laughs> Start no we should have warned you. We should have warned you this was going to happen. We cry a lot. <laughs> the three women were recently named the Telluride Foundation's 2021 Citizens of the Year for their work as mental health advocates and towards suicide prevention. The Telluride Foundation honors residents each year who, quote, unselfishly make extraordinary contributions to the region's quality of life. It was Telluride's Out of the Darkness walk for suicide prevention that originally brought the three women together. Lavercombe was part of the first walk, working alongside former Telluride resident Sammy Damsky. They all give Damsky huge credit for making the walk happen. I had lost a my grandfather to suicide before and had also dealt with my own mental health issues. And we had connected at work and she had mentioned she had wanted to do it. And I was like, I'm on board. Wilder was at that first walk. I've lost um, an uncle, one too many friends um, have died by suicide. And then five years ago, I think, is like Lolly was saying that Sammy started the walk. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to go to this. Um, This is amazing that our community has this thing that we can go to and like collectively experience something together. Um, And after the first one, it was basically like, how can I get more involved? What can I do? Cavender joined the crew a few years later. Right when I moved here and right when I met Sammy, I lost a friend to suicide. And that was kind of my first taste of suicide. Like I've had my own mental health problems, but I've never lost someone to suicide before. Um, So it's kind of this, like I was in the right place at the right time. When Damsky left Telluride, the three became co-chairs of the walk. We were like, why don't we just do this together? This is like something that having that support would be amazing. And we can, we can do so much more if we kind of tackle the pieces of it together. So that's kind of how our journey started. And it just like, holy cow like last year was blew my mind like cried for like three hours and it was amazing um but it's just it's really awesome to see telluride getting behind this cause and getting behind mental health and providing more resources and recognizing like this is something we need to focus on as a community and we have to take care of one another that's wilder it's telluride coming together for the cause but it's also them coming together in a communion, almost. I keep saying to them that, like, I don't view myself as super spiritual or, like, religious, but every time I'm with them, like, even right now, it's, like, this weird, like, we're meant to be here moment and you're meant to be in my life. So I feel like personally and selfishly I've gained a lot from this. Um, And then I hope, you know, what I feel from working with them and working on the walk that our community is feeling too. When I'm not feeling my best, you know, these two help pick up the pieces. And when one of them is falling down and needs help, like I'm there to support. So I'm really glad that we like we did this together. The walk has been a huge success, drawing 100 plus people each year, remembering those we've lost, as Cavender notes, but also celebrating those who are still here. Mental health struggles, so normal. All of it, so normal. Suicide thoughts 
suicidality, so normal. But losing people doesn't need to be normal. Um, so I think having these conversations is really just showing to us that what we're doing is worth it. Um, showing to our community that them talking about it is worth it too. Um, and just really, as a community, I feel like it's we're all coming together and being like, we're sick of it. Let's do something about it and let's be positive. Wilder adds, it's important to remember that living in Telluride with all its beauty also has its struggle. I think we just need to understand that where we live doesn't make it, doesn't invalidate that we ha everybody has a hard day or hard days or hard months. And especially over these last two years, it's just been, I think a lot of people feel like hit after hit after hit. And what makes this community so, so special is like these bonds that we make with one another. So when we lose someone, it's like that ripple just keeps going out and it feels heavy. And so I'm just really glad to see that like, we're recognizing that we have to make sure we have these resources available for people that need them. Lavercum agrees. She hopes the walk continues to be a jumping off point to keep the work going all the time. I hope that we can live more day to day in this effort together. And that's where I think seeing um, this award come to us as names, but more in the emphasis of mental health and suicide awareness that like we can live truly in this fight constantly, not just on one day of the year. Cavender, Lavercum, and Wilder put the work and the mission first. The award isn't about them, but raising awareness for mental health. But as individuals, it is an honor. Lavercum received the original call to learn they had been nominated and won. I got the fortune of being able to tell these two about it. When Lolly called, we were all like in different parts of the country. And it was this moment of like this intense connection feeling. Like I literally felt like I had like a like rope from my heart to their heart to like, I felt like we were like connected. I mean, I'm just like blown away, speechless, grateful. Like, so I like the fact that I can share this with these two like means the world to me. <laughs> like, it took all of us and they poured their hearts into it. You know, I think that's kind of part of what we all do is we've lost people. So this is kind of like us, you know, um, feeding into our grief and really working on it and trying to prove to those people that like their lives mattered too. So I think it was just this, this moment of like, thank God I have these girls in my life. Thank God I have this community and like, thank God we're here because if we weren't here, maybe it would be different. Telluride likely would be different without these three women part of the community. And they will continue to fight for that community and give back. Cavender and Wilder are taking their passion to the next level. Both are going to school to become counselors and therapists. Cavender, Lavercombe, and Wilder will receive a commemorative plaque and $5,000 to be donated to a local nonprofit of their choice. The Telluride Foundation will host a community celebration to honor the women later this year. Mountain Village is looking to update its housing guidelines and create a methodology for housing mitigation of commercial and residential construction. With a housing mitigation, any new development in Mountain Village will be required to either build employee housing as part of the development or pay a fee to offset the employees needed for the development. Mountain Village is working with Economic Planning Solutions to create the methodology and guidelines for those developments. 
Andrew Knudsen with EPS notes commercial development is broken down into general, that's office and retail, and hotels. EPS has worked to identify how many employees each type of development requires. The commercial, we have been able to uh, isolate employment data that shows us the number of employees uh, in Mountain Village, and then we were able to look at that uh, relative to permit data to uh, quantify square footage and uh, through a variety of uh, examples, we're ultimately able to identify an average employment per square foot in Mountain Village. For residential, he notes the number of employees is based on expenditure per household. What are the dollars uh, generated in a given home? And uh, how do those dollars flow through the economy? And uh, once we're able to identify how they flow, we're able to identify how many employees are generated by those dollars. And we calibrate that to home value and break that down specifically by condominium and single family. When it comes to creating the housing mitigation methodology, Knudsen says they're taking into account several factors. How many employees are generated by the new development? What can those employees afford? What's the gap between what they can afford and what housing costs? And then what percentage of the demand should be mitigated by the developers coming into the community uh, or the new, new development coming into the community? And then how do we how do we structure solutions so that the town gets what it's looking for in terms of housing solutions? With those considerations, EPS highlights three main questions for the methodology. Which development should be subject? Just commercial? Just residential? Both? How should developers be able to mitigate? What should that mitigation rate be, and should there be exemptions or phasing? For town council, all members were on the same page about several of those questions. Council believes there should be a prioritization on how developers mitigate. Best case is building housing on-site. Next, construction off-site and in the region. Third, dedicating land to build. And finally, a fee in lieu of construction. Council also believes there should be a phasing process for developments that are already in the works. When it comes to the mitigation rate, Knudsen recommends sticking with regional norms. We do think that one that's consistent with this historic position of uh, the Telluride in the region uh, makes sense, and that would be 40% for commercial and 60% for residential. But not all council was fully on board with requiring mitigation for residential in the first place. Here's council member Pete Dupre. I mean, a lot of the residential, they're only here a couple of weeks out of the year. They're not, they're paying school taxes and property taxes. And, you know, they're really not, they're not using the, the services. Council member Dan Caton believes there should be a mitigation rate for residential, but on a sliding scale. I do agree that this should be some sort of a, um, uh, an escalating curve with maybe zero uh, at 2,000 square feet or something like that, uh, because I want to encourage uh, people to not be building um, these, you know, McMansions. Michelle Haynes, Planning and Development Services Director for Mountain Village, adds that if the town exempts residential, there won't be much of a payoff for the program. The reality is, though, 80% of all of our construction is single family. We have a very, very small commercial core. So if you want to see a meaningful revenue stream, you might want to consider some iteration of residential uh, mitigation. Otherwise, you'll, you'll have pretty much like five shots with new construction in the village center. 
In the end, council decided to include residential construction as part of the housing mitigation methodology. However, it did not come to consensus on what the rates of mitigation should be. Council wants to see more information on how a 60-40 residential commercial split compares to similar communities. Mountain Village Town Council will continue the discussion on housing mitigation at its meeting on February 17th, with final adoption of the methodology in March. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. There's a lot happening in the world of sports this week. On a day in the life of a minor, Telluride High School's Finton Cole brings the latest on everything from football to basketball to lacrosse. Have a listen. This is Finton Cole in your NFL and high school sports updates. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers sailed past the Philadelphia Eagles 31-15. Tom Brady is going to the divisional championship game hosting the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams won before the playoffs, so the GOAT is trying to get even. We have Mr. Brandon here for basketball. Mr. Brandon, how did how is boys varsity basketball going? It's going pretty well, Fenton. Um, I'm seeing a lot of improvement each and every week, which is always nice as we continue our season. Um, it's not equating into many wins at the moment, but we're having some really good growth and I think we're going to start uh, rolling soon. How was the game against Ridgeway? That game got canceled due to COVID, so we actually did not play Ridgeway yet. Um, it's rescheduled for the 19th of February, though. When was your first win? We beat Dolores last Friday, 42-40. Um, very good game, very close. Um, really fun and exciting to watch. How was the game against Dove Creek, though? We got, that game got canceled um, due to COVID. Uh, the first time we played them, we had a few guys out with COVID. I was out with COVID. Um, didn't go as we planned, um, but we'd love to play them again, get another shot at them. I know you got your butts kicked against Hotchkiss, but how are you feeling when you got your first win? Um, you know, the first win's always good. I thought we could carry some of that momentum into Hotchkiss. Uh, unfortunately, you know, the shots didn't fall that night. Um, but we're excited to play them again. Hopefully, you know, we'll show a different team than we did when we went there. What would help you win your next games? We got to make shots. That's just what it comes down to. You got to shoot a decent percentage to win games of basketball. When we don't do that, it makes the game pretty tough to win. The Los Angeles Rams knocked off the Arizona Cardinals 34-11. This determined if there were rock, paper, scissors between me and my dad or not. It turns out we were tied 4-4, so rock, paper, scissors came into play. How this worked out, you go 1-2-3 shoot, not 1-2 shoot. My dad made this mistake early in the duel, and it cost him a win for the week as he got obliterated scissors, scissors, paper to paper, paper, rock. Better luck next time, Dad. Girls varsity basketball got creamed by the Dove Creek Bulldogs 70 to nothing. The games against Ignacio, Bayfield, Nucla, and Rangeley are going to be tough if they don't do anything. As of now, they are 0-6. Ben Rethlisberger's NFL career is over as the Pittsburgh Steelers got crushed by the Kansas City Chiefs 42-21. It has been quite a career for this old quarterback as he won two Super Bowls in his era both with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Could his number be retired from the team? We think so. Just a reminder, 
Lacrosse season starts in late February and hockey season ends in March. The Lizardheads Bantam team finished 10 and 12 overall in their season, winning their last two games against the Wolverines, 2 to nothing and 5 to nothing. It has been an amazing season for the team and they hope they can do better next year. The Patriots got crushed by the Bills 47 to 17. Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs worked together with the team to help Buffalo advance to the divisional round. They fly to Kansas City to play the Chiefs on Sunday for payback time as they lost to them last year in the conference final. Mr. Brandon, how are your Packers doing so far in this season? We're playing pretty well. Um, 13 and 4, I believe. Um, I'm thinking, you know, we'll be able to take that momentum into against the 49ers this week. I'm hoping for a big dub. What do you think the final score is going to be? It's going to be tough. I think it's going to be a battle 24 to 35. Packers get a win. Thank you, Mr. Brandon, for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Fenton. Anytime. Well, that's it. That was your sports updates, and we'll see you next week. The COVID vaccine bus is back. The Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment will be in Telluride this weekend to provide first, second, booster, and pediatric COVID vaccines, and flu shots too. The CDPHE bus will be in Telluride on Saturday, January 22nd from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. at the Carhenge parking lot. The bus will be in Mountain Village, near the playground by the Chondola, on Sunday, January 23rd from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Registration is available at sanmiguelcountyco.gov slash coronavirus. Walk-ups are also welcome. Paul Weiser is officially Mountain Village's town manager. I think I speak for the entire team when I say it has been a pleasure working with Paul. And not only that, I think he makes, as I've said before, all of our jobs easier. Makes, I think, town staff's job easier. And I think... It's just been an amazing addition, and it's hard to believe you haven't always been here. That's Mountain Village Mayor Leila Benitez speaking at a town council meeting on Thursday. Weiser has been serving as interim town manager since last fall. He was previously the town's attorney. During the meeting, Weiser shared his gratitude for being in the role. Thank you. This has been a great opportunity, and I've really enjoyed uh, the few months I've been in this role. This incredible staff and uh, I've had the opportunity to work with councils all across the state, and uh, this council is currently constituted is by far the most capable and dedicated that I've ever dealt with. So it's been a pleasure. Mountain Village unanimously approved hiring Weiser as town manager in a permanent capacity. As town manager, Weiser will work with the public, town council, and staff to execute the needs and goals of the town. Reduce, reuse, recycle. The Wilkinson Public Library has you covered on that second R. Next week, the library will be hosting a Maker Night, upcycling glass bottles. If you have beautiful glass bottles lying around that you don't want to part with, but don't know how to reuse, the library will teach you how to convert them into cups. Bring clean, label-free, round glass bottles. The library will provide glass-cutting tools, edge-smoothing materials, and etching supplies, so you can personalize your own cup. If you don't have bottles, fear not. 
The library will have them on a first-come, first-serve basis. The Maker's Night Upcycling Glass Bottles event will take place at the library on Wednesday, January 26th from 5.30 to 7 p.m. Registration is required and available at telluridelibrary.org. As climate change becomes more front and center across the world, communities are looking to transition away from fossil fuels. This winter, KOTO is partnering with stations in the Rocky Mountain Community Radio Coalition to report a series of stories looking at that shift. Today, we're looking south. The Ute Mountain Ute Tribe of southwest Colorado is turning to solar generation to provide cheap electricity for its members and infrastructure. But the tribe also has solar ambitions that go beyond the community level. As KSJD's Lucas Brady Woods reports, they include generating solar power that can be sold for profit. Driving along a gravel road on the Ute Mountain Ute Reservation, it's easy to see why the landscape is a good place to generate solar power. It's the high desert of southwest Colorado, which means there's a lot of open space and bright sunlight. In one of those wide open spaces, a valley at the base of Ute Mountain, is the tribe's main solar project. Scott Klo is the Ute Mountain Ute's Director of Environmental Programs. It's a way to save electricity dollars. We even created our own little microgrid here. The project is made up of rows of solar panels that cover about four and a half acres of former alfalfa fields. Since it went online in 2020, it's provided electricity to the main town on the reservation, Toyok. Klo says it helps power homes, governmental buildings, and the tribe's casino. He also says the project is just the beginning. This project is that stepping stone to get the tribal membership to uh, embrace this technology and what it can do for the tribe. There are two other community-level Ute Mountain Ute solar projects in the works. One of them will be similar to the Toyok solar project, but will serve another community. White Mesa. Another smaller scale project will provide power to a housing facility. But the tribe also hopes solar can offer economic benefits beyond just providing supplemental electricity by providing power that can be sold outside the tribe for a profit. We're looking at how to replace those many millions of dollars that once came to the tribe through oil and gas with renewable energy. The Ute Mountain Utes have been in the oil and gas business for over 70 years, and historically it made up a large portion of the tribe's economy. But that revenue has been declining for a long time. According to Klo, that decline, combined with increasing pressure from climate change, pushed the tribe to move towards a clean energy economy instead. Archie House Jr. is vice chairman of the tribe's council and is also involved in the renewable energy team. He says replacing the revenue lost from the oil and gas industry is really about investing back into the community. A lot of our revenue that uh, comes from this uh, commercial status here will be focused back into the community to help the individual member, whether it's with food, services, or um, infrastructure, that will actually um, boost up the community to a level to where we once seen with our oil and gas funding. But the commercial project is still in its early stages, and tribal leadership is proceeding carefully with its development. One important step, for example, is making sure the community is on board. House says tribal leadership plans to involve the public through surveys and presentations about the projects. That will help people understand that investing in renewable energy isn't just about making money. The solar 
and renewable is more of a clean type of um, history that we'll leave for our future generations here. It's better to be part of the answer than going off in another direction to where it may not be something good for our future. And House says community members are already noticing changes to the climate, like warming temperatures and less water. Aliette Frank is a lecturer in the Environmental and Climate Institute at Fort Lewis College. Her work focuses on climate change and tribal communities in the Four Corners region. It's particularly important in the Southwest because if you bring in the idea of environmental justice, a lot of these populations are the ones that are hardest hit by changing climate. She also hopes the Ute Mountain Ute solar projects can go beyond their own people and serve as an example for others who can also invest in renewables. Back on the Ute Mountain Ute Reservation, Scott Clough agrees. Just the magnitude of potential for renewable energy in Indian country across the United States could put tribes ahead of the rest of the nation and, quite frankly, a leader in the world coming from Indian country, and that's profound. But he also says at the end of the day, Ute Mountain Ute renewable energy projects aren't about standing out as a leader. They're about making sure the needs of the tribe's people are met well into the future. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Lucas Brady-Woods in Toyok, Colorado. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for snow showers tonight with a low around 15 degrees. Saturday should be mostly sunny during the day and mostly clear at night, with a high in the mid-30s and a low around 15. Sunday, expect sunny skies with a high around 40 degrees. Sunday night calls for mostly clear skies, with a low around 20. This has been the news for Friday, January 21st. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. True North is hosting a free College 101 workshop via Zoom at 6 p.m. this coming Wednesday, January 26th. This presentation is for students grades 8th through 11th and their parents in the Telluride, Norwood, and West End school districts. Please register at truenorthyouthprogram.org or contact 970-708-1986 with questions. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Cutto. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues. 